Well, good evening, everyone. How are we doing tonight? Are we a little bit more awake, like Tim said, because the sun is staying up a little bit? Yeah, longer. Well, my name is Cheryl Lackey. I serve as our uh, pastor of women here at Grace Chapel, and it is really good to be with all you folks tonight. Uh, We are in our second week of our Lenten series, Unfiltered Prayers. Uh, Brian, if you were with us last week, Brian kicked things off with prayers for mercy, and we're looking at some of the um, first prayers, if you will, that people uh, prayed, that cried out uh, to Jesus in the Bible. And tonight, I get to talk with you about prayers for help. That's where we're going to be turning our attention um, tonight. And as I was uh, preparing for this message, I ran across a woman's story uh, that really just struck me because it made me think about um, the raw realities of what become our cries for help. Uh, Christian author and advocate Hannah Whittall Smith. I'm curious if anybody has heard of her. I doubt, has anybody heard of her? Okay, a few of you have. I doubt you have seen her on any of your Instagram posts recently. Uh, she lit, That was the best picture, the most clear picture I could find of her, but I did want to um, show her. You may know her in connection uh, with the women's suffrage movement, did quite a bit of advocacy work with the women's suffrage movement. Um, But what strikes me about Hannah was how in her final years of her life, she could pin the words, God is enough. Because you see, Hannah's life was riddled with all kinds of trouble. Um, She birthed seven children, but three of them died. Her family disowned her when she left their uh, church denomination. Hannah and her husband, they had well-known public ministries, quite a following, but her husband battled mental illness and reportedly had quite a few affairs. Um, Her daughter, uh, her daughters had, they dealt with their share of scandals, uh, suffered with depression, uh, as well as suicide attempts. Hannah even uh, battled for uh, custody of two of her grandkids. And Hannah herself suffered uh, with doubts uh, and depression, and she even questioned her own faith for a time. But somehow, through all of this, uh, Hannah wrote what became her most well-known book, The Christian's Secret to a Happy Life. Now, yeah, right? You can imagine that caught my attention because what would cause a person who clearly dealt with so much trouble in her life, what would cause her to be able to write a book like that? And I imagined, you know, what what must have Hannah's prayers sounded like? Gut, don't you think, gut-level talks with God filled with fear, rejection, loneliness, you name it. I can only imagine what her talks with God must have sounded like. Hannah must have had her share of days where she just couldn't understand how God could allow so much desolation in her life. But at 79, when she passed away, she could confidently say, God is enough. And it got me thinking, what caused Hannah 
to embrace the goodness of God when she clearly lived through much personal adversity? What did Hannah say to God in her prayers for help? What did she say? What did she cry out to God in her darkest moments? As we consider Hannah's story, you know, you may be thinking, well, I've never been through that kind of devastation. Or you might be here tonight and you're living through one of the hardest times in your life. You know, Tim mentioned this earlier. I can't help but think about those shootings in, in Christ Church, New Zealand, the, the mosques, the families, the people that died and the families that were left to deal with, with that grief and the communities. Wherever we find ourselves tonight, wherever you find yourself tonight, we can be sure of this. We all battle storms of life at some point. And when we do, we can turn to a God who hears us. So tonight I wanna look at a situation when Jesus' disciples literally found themselves in a storm. I wanna um, see how the disciples, look at how the disciples responded to trouble. I wanna consider Peter's actions and then how Jesus interacted with them in that time of trouble. Because I think what we're gonna discover is how Jesus wants to meet us in our cries for help. So if you'll do this with me, we're doing this each week, if you will stand with me, and I'd like for us to read uh, this passage together. I'm gonna be reading tonight out of Matthew 14, and we're gonna begin, uh, begin by reading in verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, if you're familiar with these events, right before this day on the lake, Jesus multiplied five loaves and two fishes. He gave those to the disciples so that they could feed the 5,000 men. And theologians say that really this was more likely about 20,000 people if you include uh, the women and children. I'd imagine 
I've heard Brian talk about this a little bit, about they probably were excited, they wanted to talk about all the exciting things that happened to that, that day. I think practically they may have been happy about things, but they were also really tired <laughs> that day, emotionally and physically tired after a long day of serving. And the crowds, they were demanding, because if you're familiar with this story, they were like, we want you to be our king right now, Jesus. So what Jesus does is he goes ahead, he sends the disciples on ahead, um, he deals with the crowd, and then Jesus takes some time uh, for himself to pray. He goes off alone and prays by himself, and, and in sending the disciples on ahead, he could give them a little bit of time to process the day as well. And looking back uh, at the first five verses that we just read, I think we begin to find a few clues that can help us when storms of life appear. Uh, looking at verse 22, the word, uh, words Jesus made, that just struck me because Jesus insisted they get in the boat. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus insisted they get in the boat. Scripture tells us elsewhere that Jesus only did the will of his father. So that means that he knew, Jesus knew that the storm was headed their way. The next important detail is in verse 24. Uh, Jesus, if you look at those words, the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Jesus waited till the boat was about as far away from land as possible before he walked out to it. Commentators say that this was about a three mile walk from shore. I just find that very uh, interesting. And then in verse 26, when Jesus walked toward the disciples, <laughs> they were terrified, right? They panicked. It's a ghost. What, what are we looking at here? So what we know from these verses is that Jesus sent the disciples into that storm after a fulfilling but tiring day. He waited until they were so far from shore that all human hope had disappeared. And when they saw Jesus, what did they do? <laughs> Very high theological word, they freaked, right? They freaked out, wouldn't you? I think I'd be like, you know, rubbing my eyes going, okay, what am I seeing? And then I don't think it'd take me too long to realize, oh my goodness, I am stuck in a boat with 12 guys 